Good morning. Good morning. Shall we worship together? Would you stand and sing with us, please? One, two, three, four. You are not alone if you are lonely when you feel afraid. You're not the only. We are all the same in need of mercy to be forgiven and be free. It's all you got to lean on, but thank God it's all you need. And all the people said amen. Whoa. you're rich or poor, well it don't matter, weak or strong, you know love is what we're after, we're all broken but we're all in this together, God knows we stumble and fall, and he so loved the world he sent his son to save us all, and all the people said amen, whoa. obvious but this is Scout Sunday <laughs> and this year we celebrate the 112th anniversary of the founding of scouting in the United States and the 62nd anniversary of our Cub Pack 401 and the 61st anniversary of our troop 401 I'd like to say a big welcome to all the Scouts parents and leaders that are joining us this morning our next fellowship supper will be at 6 p.m. in the fellowship hall on February 24th. There are still a few slots open on the flower chart for 2022. Please see the chart at the Welcome Center if you're interested. The scripture reading this morning is Psalm 1, the two ways. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. 
They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The word of God for the people of God. And now if you'll join me in prayer. Loving God, we gather in this place today to worship you and give you thanks. We praise you for all you give us. May we always be thankful. Open our hearts and our understanding this morning as your word is proclaimed. Give us hearts like the heart of Jesus, that our lives may be free from anger, contempt, lust, and grudges. Give us hearts that love our enemies and bless those who curse us. Guide us with your Holy Spirit to build a community of powerful love. Amen. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come broken hearted, let rescue begin. Come find your Lay down your burdens, 
down your heart Come as you are Come as you are Come as you are Come as you are Oh my goodness, you're all here and it's warm inside. It's warm inside and it's warm in our hearts, right? Next Saturday, the 26th at 4 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall would be our safe gatherings training. We are trying to work on getting our church recertified and having a good percentage of the church certified as safe to work with vulnerable populations within the church, which means our children and our youth and our um, vulnerable adults. And it's a, it's a hugely important uh, situation that during COVID sort of got destroyed, right? I know many of you were in training during COVID and the training lapsed. And we have to work on rebuilding that now. So we are in compliance the way we are supposed to be for our conference. If you would like to join us for that, there is a sign-up sheet out on the Welcome Center for it. Uh, there's also instructions underneath the sign-up sheet if you'd like to complete it online. If you don't want to do in-person training, but you'd rather do it online, you can be done entirely from your house without talking to me at all. It's not just for the children's ministry. It helps the church as a whole, and I appreciate anybody who's willing to go through that. It involves three steps. The first is a background check. The second is a PowerPoint presentation that you can do at your own speed at home or here with us, and then the third is a webinar that is uh, led by our conference leader for safe gatherings. Uh, it, it takes about six hours in total, but your training is good for two years, so it's a wonderful process to make sure that we're protecting those populations in our church that need to be protected. And the last one is, if you have any middle schoolers or high schoolers, we would love to have them come out to Anchored on Tuesday nights at 6.30, 6.30 We are growing our music ministry. We are inspiring a new generation of musicians, both here in the church and outside of the church, and it's a beautiful ministry. If you would like more information about it, there's a giant poster out there as soon as you exit. You cannot miss it. You can learn more about my background in music and, more importantly, about Steve's background in music because y'all might not know this, but he is a very talented musician. He's back behind that soundboard, but he knows a lot, and he can teach a lot. And we would love to have kiddos come join us and adults who want to pass on their knowledge of music also come join us. All right, let me invite the kiddos forward. Good job. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Okay, so last week I asked you guys about distractions, right? This week, I have another question for you. Are you ready for this one? Do you all ever have, do you ever have a bad attitude? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Did we maybe have a bad attitude this morning when mom woke us up for church yeah. and we didn't want to get up because we were warm and cozy in our beds and it was still dark out? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of. Kind of. It's easy to have a bad attitude, right? You wanted to be awake? Yeah. I use my bad attitude sometimes. Oh, when brothers and sisters annoy us, it's easy to have a bad attitude, right? You know when I have a bad attitude a lot, and you guys will experience this at some point, it's when I'm behind the wheel and I'm dealing with all the other people on the road on 1604 and how they don't drive right. And I, obviously I know how to drive and everybody else on the road is wrong and I have a bad attitude when I'm behind the wheel. <laughs> it just happens. We all have, yeah, that's right. We all, we all end up with bad attitudes at times. But have you ever noticed that when you have a bad attitude, things get worse? 
Like, have you ever been really annoyed and really upset that you have to clean your room? And so you just, like, you start throwing things around or you're just, <gasps> and you don't actually do it, right? And it just makes the problem worse. Have you ever noticed that? All the time, man. It's like I'm preaching from what I know. <laughs> have you ever had that? You know, I know what it's like to be a frustrated and angry mom. I do. Sometimes moms get bad attitudes, too. So did you know that when Jesus was preaching one day, he started talking about something called the Beatitudes. Now, they're not really talking about what your attitude is, but it's talking about trials in life. And we can find them in the Sermon on the Mount, which is both in Matthew and in Luke. But Luke's version of it is a little bit different because it talks about sometimes the, the hard things we go through in life, right? What we might call the valleys. If somebody gets sick or if somebody's having problems at home, if somebody doesn't have enough money to meet the needs that they have. Those are like the valleys we have in life, the hard times we go through. But Luke also talks about woes. He says, like, woe to you who are super rich now because you've already received your reward. You already have your blessing. A reward. I can't talk. That's what it is. I need more coffee. And he's talking about the way that we approach situations can often affect how the situation happens for us. So when we're going through those valleys, right? When we're going through those valleys, if we believe in Jesus and we follow Jesus and we love him with our whole heart, we know in the very core of us that we have something to look forward to, right? We know that when this earth is done, when we're done here, that we have somewhere to go. And it gives followers of Jesus this attitude that is often based in happiness and joy and peace. Have you ever met somebody who maybe has a lot of medical problems and they're going through a really, really hard time? I, it always stands out to me when I meet somebody who's been in and out of the hospital and they're having a hard time. And instead of being focused on, instead of being focused on all of the things that have gone wrong and all of the things that could go wrong, they might say something like, God's blessed me with another beautiful day. He's blessed me with another day, and I'm going to do whatever I can during that day that he's given me. I'm going to focus on him during that day. And then there's this, there's this positive attitude of joy and happiness that comes out of that. And if you've ever heard somebody talk that way or in anything that might be happening, and maybe they're having money trouble or something like that, maybe we're having a really hard time at school, and you say, you know what? I've got another chance tomorrow. I've got another chance to learn. There's always opportunities to learn. When you have that positive attitude, people around you notice it. Did you guys know that? People around you pick up on it, and they want to know, well, why? Why are you so positive when things are happening? And what do you get to do at that point? Do you know? What do you get to do if somebody's asking you, why are you so happy all the time? You can tell them because I have a secret. I have a secret I want you to tell you. I want to tell you about it. I know this guy who's going to take care of me no matter what I face. He's going to help me no matter what I do because when this world is done, when this world is done, I get to go live with him forever and everything will be perfect and I will never have another problem again. And I think that's an amazing thing that we get to pass that on. So when we go out from this place this week, and we're going to go learn more about the Beatitudes in Children's Church, but when we go out from this place, I want you guys to keep that positive attitude that no matter what's going on here, we're all good, right? Jesus is God or back, and we can tell other people about him, okay? Will you guys pray with me? Can we sit up? And we're going to fold our hands, bow our heads, close our eyes, and we're going to talk to God. Say, dear Jesus, help us to follow your teachings, to have an attitude focused on God, and actions that show his love. In your name we pray. Amen. 
All right, we're going to exit up the side for Spark Worship. Good morning. So we'll do the rainbows and rattlesnakes this morning. I will start it with the fact that uh, this is a quite beautiful morning. Our scouts are actually out camping last night, and they probably got a polar bear award for freezing. <laughs> They'll be here for the 11 o'clock service. But I want to say thank you or praise for the good weather that uh, they have and for the health of everybody being here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Any others? Liz, recovery for respiratory problems for Karen. Lord, we pray. Yes. Scottsdale, Arizona. Pray for them. Oh, Lord, we pray. And the others. Pacemakers, okay. Oh, Lord, we pray. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you for the blessings of good weather and good health. And for those that are in need of health uh, improvement, bless the places in this country where turmoil and discourse are happening. Help those people to feel your love. And in Jesus' name we pray. From the Bible lesson for today is from Luke the 10th chapter, verses 25 through 28. And it reads like this. Speaking to Jesus, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've answered right. Do this and you will live. Please pray for me as I attempt to instruct and inspire. Peter Aguilar, a former pastor here and an outdoorsman, said that John the Baptist may have been the first Boy Scout because third chapter of the book of Matthew says that he lived in the desert and ate locusts and wild honey. I have a two-part message this morning. The first is addressed to the scouts, who will hear it later. You get to hear it now. And the value of the things that you learn in scouting that may serve you well in, later in your life. Not all is just for fun and games. The second part is addressed to you, our parishioners. You don't have to be a scout to live by the 12 points of the scout law. I want to tell you about a couple of teenage scouts and their adult leader they were on a camp out and went out in a very small motorboat on a swift flowing river. The little boat got pushed by the water into a large boulder sitting in the middle of the stream. The boat turned sideways and to the flow and was capsized. The adult and the scout in the stern of the boat got out on, onto the rock that allowed the boat to float free again but it was still carrying the other scout in the front of the boat. This scout he had earned the swimming, life-saving, rowing, and canoeing merit badges and knew what to do. He turned the boat upside down 
and captured a big air pocket underneath. So then he could climb on top of it and use it as a float. So he did that, but the boat had a little engine on the back of it, and so instead of floating horizontally, it floated more like that, <laughs> vertically. But it supported him, but he realized he couldn't stay there very long. He's got to figure out a way to get to shore. So he found the, the painter on the front of the boat. And you may not know what a painter is. That's, a, that's the rope that's on the front of the boat that you either tow the boat with or you tie it off with. In this case, the rope wasn't very long. But he took a hold of the rope and he began to swim toward shore. He attempted to pull the boat along with him. This is a rather arduous task uh, because he was fighting the, the sluggishness of the boat, the inertia, the inertia, the flow of the river, and he was still fully clothed. But he made it to the steep bank by the water's edge and where there were a few small trees. And so he was headed toward one tree that he had his eye on, and he was going to try to tie the boat to the tree before the water pulled it on past him. But that didn't happen. The rope was too short. So he figured out, well, I'm, I'm next to the bank now. This is the time to get off, get out, let the boat go. About that time, the adult leader and the other scout came running down the shore. And uh, they chased the boat until they got to a place where the water was calmer and shallower. And so the leader jumped in. And it was his boat. And he, he jumped in and grabbed the boat and pulled it to shore. We don't know whether the motor ever ran again, but all it was lost was a couple of shoes. The scout in the boat was able to save himself because of the scout merit badge training he had. I am that scout. The irony in this story that I discovered was that the very first merit badge I earned was public speaking. <laughs> the 21st one I earned was the last one to qualify for Eagle, life-saving. There's swimming, life-saving, uh, rowing, and canoeing. And by the way, Jim says that this one down here that's the red and white circles, it's marksmanship. He said it looks like the shopping at, at uh, Target's <laughs> award. Another time in my career as a mechanical engineer, scout aquatics training came in handy again often had consulting jobs where I worked on offshore platforms. And you usually get to those by helicopter. But the industry says that in order to do that, you have to have helicopter survival training. We have at least two former helicopter pilots in our congregation, Roy Allen and Bill Yon. And the barber's son, Brian, one of our troop Eagle Scouts, was a recent helicopter pilot. The training, this training that I took prepares you for the event that the helicopter you're in sets down in the water. That's a euphemism for crashing. For this training, there's a full-size representation of a helicopter body uh, that's suspended on a crane over a deep swimming pool. Uh, you, you get in and you sit in your seat and you buckle in, and the crane sets it down in the water until the water comes into the into the helicopter about a foot deep. And you unbuckle, you get up, you walk over to the door, and you disembark on an inflatable life raft. Simple. 
Next, you start over, and you're seated in a craft, and it's lowered all the way underwater. As you contact the water, you hit the window in the lower corner, and the window will pop out. This is a, a really handy thing to know because nearly all public ground mass transportation has this capability. Pay attention the next time you ride in a, a public bus. So you hold on to the windowsill as your point of reference, and when the craft stops moving, then you pull yourself out the window and float to the surface. For the third and final test, the craft is lowered underwater and it rolls all the way over. Again, you punch out the window as soon as you hit the water. Then you hold on to the windowsill as your point of reference as you go underwater. When it stops rolling and the imaginary blades have stopped moving, you pull yourself out the window and swim to the surface. That's the scary part because some of the people can't swim. And knowing what's going to happen, they try to get themselves on the side of the, of the helicopter that's going to go up to the water surface and then down deeper. And when it gets up to the top near the surface, they'll unbuckle and try to bail out. That's a dangerous thing to try to do when things are still moving around outside and you can't swim. So when things stop moving, then you can pull yourself out and swim to the surface. And we were warned, don't unbuckle early when you're upside down because you'll float up to the floor away from the window. Otherwise, you may be just tossed around and disoriented and forget, lose where the window is. With my Scout Aquatics Merit Badge training and the comfort of being underwater, well, I thought it was a fun exercise. But for those with no aquatics training and couldn't swim, it was terrifying. There are any, any number of other things you learn from Merit Badger requirements that have a significant influence in preparing you for life. They're not all life-saving, but there are the aquatics badges that I mentioned, wilderness survival, first aid, nature, agriculture and conservation topics, technology subjects, business and profession-related knowledge, and a lot of things that introduce you to new skills that may become your profession or your hobby. There are now 137 different merit badges. They support the Scout slogan, which is be prepared, prepared for what life brings you. Now for you, I ask, what makes scouting stand out to you in comparison to other young people's organizations? Think about that. I say it's the emphasis on God. It doesn't just mean the variety of Christian denominations. We learned last week from Jesse that there are over 45,000 Christian denominations. Our troop, 401, contains scouts who are Christian, Jewish, Hindu, Sikh, and Muslim. The Cub and Boy Scout promise, Scout promise begins with, on my honor, I'll do my best, to do my duty to God and my country. I want you to note that at all scout levels, their promises include God. It's similar to what Jesus said in Luke 10, verse 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, whether you're a scout or not, that one scripture can easily be the spiritual foundation of our faith in the Lord. John Wayne, the famous American actor, was a Boy Scout in his younger days. 
Later in life, he was honored by President Ford, who, by the way, is the only president that was an Eagle Scout. When it came time for Mr. Wayne to speak, he recited the 12 points of the Scout Law, which says, and many of you know enough of them to repeat them with me, the Scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. Mr. Wayne spoke about the final point, being reverent. He says, keep God at the top of what you believe in. With him, life can be a beautiful experience. Without him, you're just biding your time. British General Baden-Powell, who founded the scouting organization, believed that duty to God should be at the heart of all scouting. He said, religion means recognizing who and what God is. Second is making the best of the life he's given us. And third is doing what he, what he wants of us. That's mainly doing something for others. Doesn't that sound a lot like the United Methodist Church? Lord Baden-Powell grew up as a minister's son and recognized that when a young man or a young lady includes God and service to others in his life, it's a life well lived. He therefore defined the scout motto, which is do a good turn daily. The term good turn is a phrase not as commonly used today as it was 100 years ago, but it means do something good for somebody else. Along these lines, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, explained Christian discipleship as, as this. Do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. It kind of sounds like the who, what, when, where, and why that you try to answer to solve a mystery. Let's, Pete, let's go through those a little slower. There's seven points. Do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. That doesn't allow much to slip through. One person who discovered the power of service to others was a 13-year-old Boy Scout named Frank Wilson. His story takes place on Christmas Eve, which for us is not too far in the past. Frank was depressed. It was the first Christmas without his brother Steve, who lost his life in an automobile accident. It was especially painful because Frank and his brother were very close. On Christmas Eve afternoon, Frank was despondent and needed to get away from the house. He put on his new winter coat, put all his Christmas gifts on his sled, slashed them down, and began to walk. As he went through a rundown section of town, Frank saw a woman crying and appeared to be as discouraged as he felt. On impulse, Frank went to the woman and told her, choose any present you'd like from my sled for your children. The lady was astounded. She says, God bless you, and selected some candies, a game, a toy airplane, and a flashlight. As he was about to leave, she asked his name, and Frank answered, just call me the Christmas Scout. Frank left with an unexpected flicker of joy but his task wasn't finished. Along the way, he found other needy people and gave away the rest of his gifts, including his new winter jacket. 
As Frank made his way home, he knew he was in trouble. Sure enough, his parents were highly upset at their son's behavior. They thought he had made some, some poor choices and ruined the family's Christmas. Well, what do you think Frank felt? He felt alone and confused. He thought he'd done his right thing when he did his good turn and his duty to God. But he didn't expect that type of family fallout. The next morning, the local television reported the following. Crippled boy has a new sled. Another youngster has a fine new winter coat. And several families report that their children were made happy last night by gifts from a teenage boy who simply called himself the Christmas Scout. Frank's mom and dad realized that the Christmas that started out in what they thought was a bad note was really one of the best. What Frank had done was a clear example of duty to God and doing his daily good turn. We all recognize that participation in scouting is fun, but we must also be aware that the things we are required to do to advance through the seven ranks may be the things that have significant influence on preparing us for the rest of our lives. Our duty to God includes, first and foremost, that we recognize, follow, and live by the teachings of a supreme being. We must live our lives with honesty and service to others. The 12 points of the Scout Law and the Scout Oath are lifelong guiding principles for everyone. The merit badge skills learned may even be life-saving. Scouting is the only youth organization in the world where young men and women are intentionally taught to develop themselves as leaders. Some give you the opportunity, but not the instruction. And finally, service of some sort is ingrained in every advancement a scout makes. What will your good turn be for today? Let us pray. Call you now on God your Father, looking down from heaven above you, deep into your hearts and spirits, for his help to guide you onward through this life of toil and struggle, through this life of love and sunshine, thus to keep you brave and cheerful, thus to keep you true and faithful to yourselves, to your family, and to the God who made you, till at last he calls you home. Amen.